You know, you can't have it both ways. You can, on one hand, be glowingly surprised by everything you've seen from your favorite hockey team for two straight weeks, and then the first time it goes the way you thought it would, you know, to get all deeply disappointed or whatever doesn't make much sense either. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Lightning 5, Penguins 1. Last night at PPG Paints Arena, Tampa Bay scored a couple of empty netters to kind of a little bit distort the score, but not all that much. This just wasn't in doubt. I'm sorry. You know, I, I... I was there when the Penguins had their super competitive shifts too, and I was there whenever you saw the team looked like it had its usual life, and and I was there when it looked like Brock McGinn had scored the game's first goal in the first period, only to have it waved off by a referee who couldn't be bothered to skate an extra couple of feet to try to find a puck that had gotten past Andre Vasilevsky. But that that just wasn't really what this was about. This was uh, is comeuppance a, a right term here? I don't know if it's comeuppance or just this is water finding its level. There were a lot of things that happened in this game that were very much things coming back down to earth. You know, players who'd been way out of their gourds to this early stage of the season who just looked like, you know, the players they've always been to some extent at the risk of sounding mean. It wasn't it wasn't something that the Penguins were beating themselves up over afterward, but you can tell. Listen to listen to Jason Zucker here. They weren't happy about it either. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, we had plenty of chances to score in those, in those, uh, those couple of shifts. I think we passed up too many shots, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we were looking for one extra play, um, multiple times, but you know, that was, uh, that was definitely a tough turn, um, especially when we thought we were playing pretty well there. And they shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been something that anyone would have wanted to walk away from thinking, all right, that was just fine because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a great result. Uh, it wasn't the greatest execution we've seen of the system wasn't the greatest of decision-making processes in the offensive zone with an awful lot of overpassing, drop passing, and it wasn't the greatest goaltending display ever by Tristan Jari either, although I'm not sure I would look in his direction for some sort of singular blame here either. It just, it was just that. It was just that night. The other team came in. They were two-time champs. They were mad. This team's missing a quarter of its roster, and, and this is what resulted. But there was one thing, one thing out of it that the Penguins need to get out of their system like immediately, like today at practice in Cranberry. Today. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, and they in turn need you and your help. Visit Pittsburgh Food Bank. Dot org to find out how one dollar, every dollar 
that's committed by you results in five full meals being created and distributed. PittsburghFoodBank.org If there's one thing out of all of it that raised a little bit of a red flag for me, meaning not just within this game, but moving forward and trying to get through all these injuries and illnesses. It was that these defensive breakdowns that the Penguins had were very much not like what we'd seen from them before. They weren't awful or glaring or what the heck, but they also weren't what they'd been doing. And I'll start with the Braden Point goal that started the scoring. It was the first goal. It came almost right away in the second period, came on a home run pass from deep in the Tampa zone. Point collects it, and for all intents and purposes, in that moment, he's got a one-on-two. That play could have been defended as a one-on-two. So what should have happened is that Brian Dumoulin and John Marino should have made a Braden Point sandwich there at the blue line. He had other options, but he was on his backhand coming up the left side. Instead, Marino got turned around trying to head him off right there at the line. Dumoulin decided, for whatever reason, to completely back off and defend a pass that was never going to be Point's first option on his backhand. And that left Point going against Tristan Jari, and Jari skated backward away from it. It's like they were getting out of his way. You know, Point backhands the puck over Jari and hits the center bar. That is not what you want as a goalie. You don't want to hear that center bar behind you because it means you got beat really bad. You didn't get beat by somebody picking a corner. You just got beat. I asked Marino after the game, his view of that sequence. They were stretching three guys, and Point obviously had a ton of speed. Um, kind of caught us by surprise there, and you know, stepping up, trying to get a piece of them. But um, you know, overall, we just have to do a better job of staying on top of them, and you know, knowing who's on the ice, and you know, how fast um, you know he can be wide. Definitely. That's it. They just they need to bear down. That's all in their own end. They also need some players back. I mean, let's remember that Marino's taking. Chris Letang's spot on the top pairing, skating alongside Dumoulin. Let's remember that all these other players are missing as well. But most importantly, let's remember that for this team to succeed, whether it's now and missing all these guys or once all these guys return, they're going to have to get back to that whole defensive diligence thing. They weren't giving up chances like this really to anybody except the Panthers, and I'm not even sure I would count them because I think they're playing on some other planet right now. But for the most part, they've really, really clamped down on teams, and they haven't given up chances like some of the ones that we saw last night. So get that out of your system. Find out what the Flames are doing. Find out whatever the Flames are doing and get ready for that and forget that this one ever happened. When we come back, just one question.
back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you on this program always by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this podcast a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just visit FuboTV.com slash DK. Question comes from Matt, who asks, Hey, could the Penguins have used that ref on that ridiculous scramble in Florida that resulted in that Aaron Ekblad goal? And it worked out okay in Game 6 versus Nashville, and that's hockey, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm going to emphasize here that this was really about laziness. It's not about uh, the call. It, it Calls happen. Calls get missed. The puck gets lost. It just does. What happened with this one is that Connor O'Donnell, the referee who was below the goal line, and about a good, let's say, 30 or so feet to Vasilevsky's left, was in a complete standstill motion. His skates were affixed to that portion of the ice. And as the shot came in toward Vasilevsky and rolled up over his right shoulder, O'Donnell made no move whatsoever toward the net. Didn't budge. But his left arm, which has the whistle uh, affixed to the hand there, went right up to his mouth and he blew the whistle. And the puck, of course, continued rolling, and McGinn, of course, went and poked it in. Now, depending on which version of this story you choose to believe, here's a crazy version, courtesy of Teddy Bluger. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hear an explanation from the uh, ref himself. We were talking to the linesman by the bench, and uh, the explanation was that he he blew the whistle, and... Uh, Ginner touched the puck. If the, if the puck would have kept rolling in the net and no one touched it, it would have been called a goal. But because he tapped it in, at the end they called it no goal. And I think that was obviously a pretty big moment in the game. Um, it's kind of a tough one to swallow. It's hard hard as it is to score goals in this league. And, um, you know, that, that would have been big to have the lead um, going into the second period. But that's kind of the way it went. And, um, you know, we still had chances in the second. We had, you know, um, plenty of chances to score, so um, yeah, it is what it is. Okay, wow, no, Teddy, that was not it. Whatever it is that you thought you heard, or even if you legitimately heard it, you misheard it, because that makes no sense, but that's also how these discussions go. Everyone gets a little bit emotional, and you could hear there from Teddy that he was aware that this, this wasn't a good thing for the Penguins. They really needed to operate with a lead, and they would have benefited. I'm not saying they would have won the game. I really don't believe they would have. But I am saying it would have changed things, and you can see where they would have been set off by it. However, that's that explanation there isn't even remotely plausible. And, in fact, Mike Sullivan went on to say that O'Donnell approached the bench and said that he made a mistake. He shouldn't have lost the puck 
he shouldn't have blown it dead. Um, and Sullivan then expressed his appreciation for O'Donnell doing that. I know that's not going to be of any consolation to anybody who was at the game or watching from home or whatever, but that's how that actually played out. The lesson that needs to be learned by O'Donnell is to do exactly what that referee that you just referenced in Sunrise did. And you'll recall, he went to the back of that net and he climbed it like Spider-Man and got up there and he was looking hard. Now, he didn't find it either and he should have blown it dead because he, as I reported from Sunrise that night, he did everything right except to keep one of his arms free to be able to blow the whistle because he was all Spider-Man up there and needed both of his hands to remain Spider-Man. So he blows the whistle there. Then it's a great call. He didn't. He should have. But at least he tried. He made a professional effort. O'Donnell didn't do that. That's, that's where he really messed up. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And oh, by the way, I also appreciate that little Nashville mention that you have there because the Penguins did kind of win a rather important game in 2017 at Bridgestone Arena after a puck had dropped behind Matt Murray and just kind of sat there and the officials didn't see it. So that part happens, but work, you know, work. Try to make the best call that you can. Let's do this again tomorrow.